Hi, I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. Well, it's election day. Americans will have their last chance to cast a ballot today for the president and for numerous down-ballot candidates for Congress, for governorships, for state legislators, judges, and so much more. Now, in our country, there are very few things as universally American as casting a vote for the candidates of your choice. But one of those things is the freedom to take the tools available to us in this great country of ours and use them to become our best selves, to develop our interests, our aptitudes and talents in ways that will enable us to live a more fulfilling life, professionally, through service to others, in the creation of great works of art, of literature, or even entertainment, and so much more. The choice as to what you do with your life is completely yours, and college represents an excellent way to jumpstart some of those ambitions. Now, if you've decided you want to go to college, I say great. Congratulations. This puts you in good company. Statistically, college is a very good bet. On average, college graduates earn more money during the lifetime careers, they live healthier lives, they have better odds for a happy marriage, they live longer, they volunteer more in their communities, and they rank higher on what I'll just call the happy meter. But like the general population, there are those who both exceed and fall short of the average performance. So when we look at statistical realities like this, understand that the ultimate control for a life well-lived is the one of which you take charge. You are the X factor in how your life turns out. College is a tool like any other. And if you use it wisely, it can provide you with significant professional, financial, and even social leverage. Now, it all starts by making a good choice as to where you will attend. Now, you have nearly 4,000 options in the United States alone between public and private colleges and universities. On top of that, you have choices which include community college, trade school, tech school, and other specialty post-secondary preparation. This is both wonderful and daunting. I guess it's wonderfully daunting. So let's jump in and explore a few strategies for making good choices as to where to attend. Now, there are a number of factors that combine to help us better determine a thing I frequently call fit. Just as a pair of jeans has to fit just so for you to feel good about making that purchase, so must your college or other post-secondary preparation for life beyond the tassel fit. So there's some information I'm going to suggest you gather up. This is only information. It does not define you, confine you, or undermine you. It only serves to help you understand yourself a little bit better. So as you begin to consider your options for college, you may do so with a better handle on your particular reality. Now, here are the big ones. On a scale of one to five, I'm going to suggest you ask yourself how much the following ideas mean to you. And just jot it down. You know, if it's if you can give it a, a number, a one through a five, that's great. Or just make some notes. But kind of take measure of how you feel about these following ideas. Start with the first one is academic rigor. Now, what this is, is how hard are you prepared to work in order to move your mastery of subject matter kind of closer to the top of the heap? You can get a degree without throwing yourself into a highly rigorous academic environment, but you may not find it as stimulating or as challenging depending upon how you feel about academic rigor. Rank yourself in this important metric, but be honest with yourself. This is no place to pretend to be someone you aren't. Okay, the next one is social engagement. 
Now, this is how much does it mean to you to get together with your friends and others for parties, group outings, concerts, and other social activities. This is really less about whether you see yourself as an introvert or an extrovert and more about how you ideally see yourself spending the next four years of your life. You can be social and still be an introvert. I mean, that's not a definition of an introvert or an extrovert. It's just a matter of how you like to spend your time. Everyone needs other people. The question really is how much of your time and energy do you want to devote to your social life in college? Next question is how well prepared are you academically? Some schools, some high schools that is, just really prepare students a little bit better than others. That's not an indictment of your high school if you don't feel it's prepared you well. Reality is the reality. Here you are. You're getting ready to hit this fork in the road. Let's figure it out. So let's identify how well prepared you are academically. Let's get real about your GPA and what sort of study habits you've developed. You might also consider here what sort of coursework you've taken in high school. In other words, did you go for broke and challenge your school's hardest classes? Did you seek out the AP classes or did you do just what you needed to do to get by? Answer honestly and you'll be much more likely to land the kind of fit in college that'll serve you well. Next question is how strong is your predetermination to attend a certain school? In other words, some people really want to go to a particular university or a school, perhaps one that their parents went to or one that their older brother or sister went to. And if that's you, that's fine. I mean, if you've been thinking and dreaming about becoming an Ohio State Buckeye or a Minnesota Golden Gopher, great. Then I'm going to encourage you to grapple with your reasons for that and put a number between one and five as to how important that idea remains to you today. Next question is, how capably do you see yourself living alone on a campus more than 300 miles from home. In other words, are you all right being beyond the practical daily reach of your parents, friends, and family? Now, honestly, nobody will judge you if the answer hovers around a one or a two on your one to five list. But as with everything else, the idea here is to be honest with yourself. If you can see yourself living beyond 300 miles from home, then you've suddenly gained access to a lot more schools and you'll not be bound by locality. And that may be a good thing. Next question has to do with money. Financial aid can be a big feature in college. So let's talk about family household income. Rank it on a scale of one to five. Use a four if your family household income is less than $125,000, but more than $100,000. Use a three if your family has household income of less than $100,000, but more than $75,000. Use a two if your family has a household income of less than $75,000, but more than $45,000. And use a one if your family has a family household income of less than $45,000. If your family household income exceeds $125,000 per year, just use a five. Now, there is no shame in whatever this number may be. All families are different and all will find uniquely different solutions for the financial challenges they face. But for families that fall into one to four, I have some very specific guidance with respect to financial aid opportunities. And guess what? It's all good. Next question, are you a standout varsity athlete? If so, are you being recruited? And by whom? What type of schools? An NCAA D1 recruit will have very different leverage than a D2 or a D3 recruit or an NAIA recruit. And if your sport is obscure, let's say fencing, for example, and you hope to use it as leverage, well, let's make sure we understand which institutions compete in fencing. Next question is, have you earned any particular academic merit scholarships 
or any particular designation such as National Merit Scholar or any state-level membership in merit organizations such as the Illinois State Scholar and others depending upon your state. If you've got a bunch of these sorts of accolades and designations, use a five. As your number of these kinds of recognitions lowers, so should your one through five number. And along that same line, but a little different, what, if any, were your scores on the ACT and or the SAT? Now, those tests matter less and less to institutions across the country these days, especially during this COVID era. But they still can be meaningful, and depending upon your particular scores, there will be options and strategies worth exploring. Now, more on that later, but be clear and honest about your existing scores, not those you think you might be able to get, what you've got in hand right now. For scores of 34, 35, or 36, use a 5. Now, remember, 36 on the ACT represents a perfect score, but a 34 or 35 puts you in the 99th percentile. For scores between 30 and 33, use a 4. For scores between a 26 and a 30, use a 3. For scores between a 22 to 26, use a 2. For scores lower than a 22, use a 1. Do you think of yourself as a STEM person? Virtually every high school student will have taken some science classes. But the question here is, do you seek them out, enjoy the living daylights out of them, and continually challenge yourself with more intense material? That's what will drive your number closer to the 5 and further from the 1. But again, just be honest with yourself. Same question, but with regard to the humanities. This is English and foreign languages, history, art, philosophy, those kinds of things. Next question, how do you feel about math? Do you like it? Are you drawn to higher math? If so, move your needle closer to a 5 on our mythical chart. If you prefer less math or see yourself as a four-function kind of person, fine. Just reflect accurately in your assessment and let's move on. Next question, can you easily see yourself going on beyond your first college degree to earn additional degrees? In other words, is it your thought right now to continue on to some form of master's degree or PhD even? If so, move the needle closer to a five. If you think the bachelor's degree is your final destination, perfect. Just mark it as a one or two. And if you're not sure and are still thinking it over, let's just move that needle a bit toward the mid-range. Put it at a three, maybe. Is it important to you to be at a large school? Now, by this, I'm generally talking about something with more than 20,000 undergrads or so. Is it important for you to be in a particular part of the country? If so, let's be clear about that. Does it need to be warmer? Is it further to the west or to the east, to the north, to the south, or is it in the middle? Do you find yourself drawn to schools in more highly populated areas. Some people thrive in a city environment, while others feel much more at home in a rural setting or in a suburban type of vibe. Let's consider yours here. Is there a specialized type of learning or discipline you wish to undertake? And know it for certain right now. Because if so, let's nail that down. What is it? I mean, if you know you want to go into engineering or if you know you want to go into pre-med, hey, let's figure it out. Put it down. Are you the first in your family to attend and potentially graduate from college? This is a two-pronged question for us to explore. On the one hand, it might imply an opportunity for additional financial aid, and it might also provide you with the opportunity to set your family's trend rather than reacting to something others have already done. You've got no particular legacy to uphold at this point if you're first generation. 
and that can be liberating. Now, since the biggest obstacle for most students in gaining admission to any particular institution is still that measurable academic criteria, I'm going to suggest that you take a hard look at how well you performed on those two metrics, your GPA and your standardized test score, the SAT or the ACT. Take those two numbers and realize that they won't likely prevent you, nor will they automatically qualify you for anything. But they may serve as rough guides for likely acceptance. Go to collegesimply.com to learn more about what institutional averages on these metrics currently look like and enter those to which you appear to have a shot into your spreadsheet under the heading test score slash GPA qualified. Now, regardless of what you find here, don't be discouraged. This is far from the only thing that will get you accepted by the school of your dreams. There's much more to it than your test scores. Next, consider all of your particular and peculiar interests. Not just the ones that everybody has, but the ones that really set you apart. For example, do you fence? <laughs> do you spend hundreds of hours in tree stands bow hunting white-tailed deer? Do you play the oboe or the bagpipes at an unusually exceptional level? Do you compost your family's food refuse and grow organic vegetables? Get creative here. Now set this list aside. Based upon how you answered some of the questions about location, school size, academic rigor, etc., give the schools on your current test score and GPA qualified list a number between 1 and 5, 5 being the best fit and 1 being the worst. Recognize that large public universities tend to be much more social than small, highly selective private institutions. But that doesn't mean that there's no social engagement going on at smaller schools. Believe me, there is. But it isn't the typical always-something-social-going-on scene you'll find at places like the University of Wisconsin or Oregon or Southern Illinois University. There's a different kind of focus at these more selective private schools. And that's fine. But go through your list and give a grade to those schools based upon your preference for social engagement. Because, let me tell you, if you demand social engagement and it doesn't tip the scale in the way you might need for it to, you won't be happy there. So let's get this right. Now, do a ranking of the schools that check all or most of the boxes you said mattered to you. You may assume that those schools with higher GPA and test score requirements are going to also be the schools with higher academic rigor. Once you've got this ranking completed, you want to go online and do some serious investigation of each of the top 20 or so schools on your list. And then go back to your spreadsheet and re-rank them on the basis of what their website said to you, how it spoke to you, how it made you feel about that institution. Now, if you're in a position to visit some of these schools, that can be an excellent way to really get the feel for the school. But don't expect to be able to visit every school on your list, and maybe not even any, depending upon the COVID status and your ability to hit the road with your parents. Costs can be daunting, and sometimes... It just isn't practical. I mean, in the midst of this COVID crisis, I wouldn't expect to be able to visit really any schools. You're going to be doing a lot of virtual tours. But if you can do it, do it. Now that you've organized your list on the basis of this criteria, let's go down through it and place each school that's caught your attention into one of three categories, reach, target, and safety. That is, throw caution to the wind on three or four that have test and or GPA requirements well beyond your metrics and put them in your reach category. These should be the places you'd absolutely love to attend, 
but don't really see a realistic path to getting there. It's time to dream though, okay? Next, go ahead and gather up all the schools you think represent good fits on the basis of those academic requirements. Don't fudge here. Be honest with yourself and just put them in the appropriate category. Finally, grab your favorite two or three schools from the safety category. These are the schools that would absolutely love to have you, but might not think you want them with the same passion. Still, make sure these are the schools you'd be satisfied attending. There is no point pretending that your safety schools will suffice if they just don't float your boat. All right, you should have a few reach, a handful of target, and a good assortment of safety schools on your list. This is your working college application list. You can now begin making application all of them that participate in the Common App first. This will be most of them. Don't make it a requirement that your schools participate in the Common App because the schools of your dreams might not. That shouldn't mean you won't apply, though. This is hard work, but you'll be glad you stuck with it and did it right like this. Next, consider the strategy of early decision, early acceptance, and regular admission where applicable. Now, I'll talk more about that in a later podcast, but it's a good idea to do a little research on this before you apply because it can make a big difference in your acceptance or rejection rates, particularly with the more competitive, highly selective institutions. Remember, this is your college decision. It will be the years you devote to your own personal and professional development. Don't outsource this decision. Own it. And once you've established the best fit for you, get ready to make the most of your amazing journey. I hope I've given you a few things to think about with respect to assembling your list of potential college applications. Next week, we'll consider the broad differences between attending college in urban, rural, and suburban areas. The vibe can be quite different, although all three can and do offer an outstanding college experience. Again, as with so many things we explore here on Beyond the Tassel, it all comes down to fit. So I'm looking forward to sharing some firsthand advice from students who've made these choices and live to tell the tale. Be sure to subscribe and join us each week. Episodes always drop on Tuesdays. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel. Stay safe, stay healthy, and make yours a worthwhile journey. Oh, and vote! <laughs>